Hello there and welcome to episode 7 of the Night Gallery podcast. My name's Chris Brown. Uh, we've got a real classic story for you today. It's um, at the heart of episode 2 of season 1, which is where we're up to. It's called The Little Black Bag. It's the um, the first story that Rod Serling actually wrote for the uh, first season. It's, uh, it's, it's his teleplay anyway. Um also features two great um, two great actors at its heart which is uh, Burgess Meredith as William Fall uh, and uh, Chill Willis as a guy called Heppelwhite. Okay so um, first off we'll start with the plot which uh, starts quite unusually. It's uh, set uh, first off in 2098 uh, you're in a uh, science lab kind of place, very white, quite um, an old school idea of what the future would look like and in it there is a uh, an employee a lowly technician who's uh, contacting one of his uh, senior senior um, managers and saying that there's been an error and a medical bag has been sent back in time so you flick back to 1971 and we see uh, Dr. Fall uh, who's now uh, who is a bum who uh, he's fallen on very hard times due to his uh, love of drink. Um, and he is uh, joined by a, a rather burly, rugged man called Heppelwhite. Anyway, um, after an argument over how much drink someone's consumed, um, Fall uh, discovers a black medical bag. This is obviously the bag which has been sent back in time by accident. Um, and what he does is he, um, he sees it, brings back lots of his memories from the days of being a uh, general practitioner and he decides well there's a there's a bit of a conversation about what they're going to do but the decisions made between him and Heppelwhite and Heppelwhite very much wants this to happen is that he can make a quick book by uh, taking it down to the pawnbrokers and getting it exchanged for cash um on the way down there they uh, they bump into uh, well they get to the pawnbrokers anyway and the the pawnbrokers uh, they meet a woman who's desperate for a doctor she sees the black bag and kind of ignoring the fact that blatantly he's a tramp uh, decides asks them for help uh, for basically there and then says yes okay despite Heppelwhite's protests and um, heads to see the sickly child. Now this um this this child was uh, well basically he opens the bag, and it's all unusual instruments and he's confused at first he doesn't quite understand why these instruments are being used uh, well he doesn't although it's been twenty years since he's been out of the game as a doctor he, they they seem unusual to him. Um, he follows the instructions because it's all very it's all very uh, usefully uh, explained about what you need to do. Uh, also it has a date it tells the, the date of when when it's been made which is obviously twenty ninety eight. And he's able to cure the child very, very quickly. He, not only that, but he discovers that um, he's also able to cure far more serious ailments. So, obviously, rather than take it to um, the pawnbrokers, where they would only got $10 for it, he goes to see a friend who's held up in a dingy hotel, and he's dying of cancer. He's only got a few days left. And after a bit of trouble and a bit of a bit of, bit of argy-bargy, he's able to... Um, save the man's life um, Fall understandably gets extremely excited by what this will mean he discovers that, he understands that this bag is a huge leap technologically for medical science 
Um, not only does it cure, which are at the moment uncurable diseases, but also that they they do it painlessly with no blood and with no real scarring or damage. Fall believes that with this bag, he he will be able to save a huge portion of society. Hepplewhite, on the other hand, sees it as a magic carpet to riches and millions. He, um, as Fall basically says that he's going to go the next day to the medical community and surprise them by being able to stab himself in the neck and then not die. Hepplewhite, he just um, stands behind him ominously and you can see him running over his ideas about how much money he can make. It's really ominous, great little scene as the worst, well, the inevitable happens, really. Hepplewhite, um, who isn't the nicest guy throughout the story, decides that he's going to kill Fall and take the money for himself. Um, Fall's altruistic aims aren't in line with what Hepplewhite believes he wanted. So, um, Basically, Hepplewhite, well, after it cuts away from the murder, but you don't actually see that, but it's obvious that he's dead because the next scene is a gang of doctors. Hepplewhite walks in and says, what would you think if I were to take this this knife and plunge it into my neck? Um, and unsurprisingly, the doctor says, well, you'll be dead, mate. Um, and he goes to wow everybody with the uh, the scalpel in his hand from the black bag and uh, then it flicks over to the future again with our um, rather hapless um, lowly junior lab technician in the time travel department who happens to have a medical bag lying around I was kind of assume in this story that although it's a black medical bag uh, in that period of time this kind of thing would almost be like a first aid kit I don't know if people come down with cancer very often often down there, but it seems to be the only reason why you'd have one lying around. Um, and he contacts his superior and says that the uh, the bag had communicated from the past somehow and had given the warning signal that it had been used for uh, homicide rather than good. And then, obviously, uh, the decision's made to deactivate the bag, effectively, put it out of commission. Um, you flick back to present day, 1971, and there is um, the corpse of Hepplewhite being dragged out of the, well, push, pushed out on a gurney um, from the doctors and two um, doctors basically surprised that this guy had committed suicide, but one of them kind of thinking that maybe he hadn't actually meant to commit suicide because the look on his face was one of surprise and shock rather than of um, well anything else anything you would associate with suicide really um, it's a great episode I mean it's a really 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 good episode um, I'd say it well first off it's a sailing um, teleplay based on a short story by uh, CM Cumbluff um, it feels like it was could have been shot for Twilight Zone, to be honest with you. Um, certainly, uh, those that see Bridges Meredith uh, appear will spam. Uh, Twilight Zone fans will have seen him pop up more than once 
in uh, in that series over the years, over the series, over the Philip Fair. He was quite a quite a regular on that show. Um, and he's great in it. He's kind of that noble um, fall as like this noble doctor, but obviously deeply, you know, he's damaged by his years of alcoholism, but he does mean well by what he wants to do. Uh, meanwhile, Heffelwhite, uh, where he's played by Chill Willis, is kind of seedy, kind of dark, big, barely kind of guy. Again, a guy that looks like, you know, he's the kind of, he looks like the kind of guy who would drink a bottle of scotch and then just wail at somebody with fists flying, you know. Um, certainly somebody's believable that, that he would kill for money. Um, and also, I would say probably, unsurprisingly, the kind of guy he would get himself in the position that he would be, um, you know, on, well, homeless, effectively, and trying to, trying to live off his wits a bit. Um, it is the direct, directed by Jinwar uh, uh, Swarik, I should say. Um, he did um, a lot. He's got, his name's going to pop up a lot over the over the weeks, well, months, really, um, for, for our show because he did, I think, yeah, twenty two segments of the uh, of the night gallery. He is uh, he's a bit of a stalwart. He's very good, and. Um, it is this show is I would say one of the better ones from series one. Certainly one of the better Rod Serlins. It has a warmth to it. The uh, the character is believable. It's quite light in tone really, and those kind of this kind of uh, idea that all this trouble came from a, uh, a an error in judgment. Well, an error in judgment, like a, a problem with bureaucratic red tape, like a guy not quite looking at what he was meant to be doing. In uh, in the in his science you know in, in the science lab and then obviously leading to this this terrible terrible trouble. Um, I suppose really in terms of like um, the show and what happens in the future, the most interesting side of it and bear in mind this is the first Rod Serling story, is that it's also the first flashpoint of problem between Serling and main producer Jack Laird. Um, Laird had done some trims to the story for time and also because this is a 30 minute episode bear in mind and um one of those trims was to remove the first lab technician style clip so the intro effectively it started started off with the two tramps arguing over the bottle of wine um rather than the guy saying oh we set this back in time that's okay, I suppose, to an extent. Um, it would have been alright. Um, Salem went mad. <laughs> he, he does anyway. There's uh, copies of the letter he sent to him, and uh, if you don't mind, I'll just read a bit of it. Hey, Laird. Don't get pissed off, but the show bears my name, and though it doesn't say it in the contract, I do feel a sense of propriety in it. Please keep in touch. Cordially, Rod Salem. I mean, to give you some... I mean, pfft, I mean, literally... He's already at this stage trying to make sure that, although, again, as, as we said in the past, he isn't contracted for this kind of sign-off, that he wanted, because his name was on it, because he's introducing the show, he thought that he bought him enough control over, at the very least, his own segments. The reality of that wasn't the case. Now, in this one, he gets away with it. Um, they reinstate that, uh, the intro, and there is a change to the script, it, but it's a censorship one. Um, this feels like more like a tw and like a, a, an adult 
an adult version of the Twilight Zone, almost. Um, not adult, rude, but adult-like. You know, it's willing to go that little bit further in points. So, in, in his scripts, uh, Hepplewhite, you actually see Hepplewhite stab himself in the neck, and that's a shock, and then it, it flicks. Uh, do you know what I mean? That's the final payoff as he dies. Um, it's not, obviously, because of the census for NBC. It would never have got through, you know what I mean? It's still pretty much, you know, it's, 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 it was on a, a you know slightly late slot, but it was still prime time, uh, and it would not, wouldn't have got past like that. So the decision was made to install, in, install a, uh, like that chat at the end that we mentioned between the two doctors, where they just basically explain what had happened. Um, it doesn't really damage the story, I felt. And um, it was fine. <laughs> it was absolutely fine. I mean, to be honest with you, yeah, I'm, I'm, I know Salem's very, very... Uh, we didn't want anything to change, and he was very uh, protective of the script, but I, I don't think... He, the intro, I, it would have been fine without that. Maybe it might have been a bit like, ooh, what's going on here? Why is it... So, that's a bit of a jump. And um, it's a good way to bookend the story that it kind of comes full circle at the end. Um, but that's not the end. You know, that's not the worst problem with with, <laughs> with it. It's not... A, you know, I mean, I, you could get rid, you could have got rid of that beginning, I think, and it would have been okay. I mean, I'm glad it's in there, and I'm glad it follows what Salem wanted. Um, I do think that sometimes, uh, as we go through this, I think Salem should have picked some better fights to get annoyed about. I know he didn't like people mucking about the script, but um, when we talk about the story next, I mean, he drops the ball so spectacularly. Um, I can't believe that he's getting, you know, he's moaning about this story um, when he's putting in work of the quality that comes up next. Um, we'll talk about that soon. Um, as you probably noticed, we're you know housekeeping-wise, um, I'm running a little bit behind on the stories. Um, so there's going to be this one and also um, Nature of the Enemy. I'm going to try and get that out in the next day or so. So you probably see. Well, this might well have come up on your iTunes both together quite quite quickly in the download. Sorry about that. Um, we're just trying to trying to get you know. I don't like there to be big big pauses between the episodes. But, um, sorry, just rambling a bit there. But going back to, to the story, um, I really love the um, the relationship between the two tramps. <laughs> that kind of distrust um, and also, but, you know, they, they need each other to get along. They've kind of obviously helped each other out in the past, but there's a terrible friction between the two as well. Um for a story that is quite, you know, has a quite fair bit of death in it and, um, you know, what was initially going to include quite a gory ending, um, it is a story with quite a lot of warmth. I mean, there's tragedy in it, obviously, with the death of uh, Fall, who is a man that, um, despite his problems, uh, and obviously, you know, he's a victim of his own excesses, um, does actually mean well by what, by what he does. Um, he wants to help people, but at the same time, he, um, you know, he struggles, <laughs> struggles with his own demons. And in the end, you know, he's, you know, he, he, drink has not only took his life. I mean, he, he's hurt other people because of it. Um, and I think that's something that haunted the, the character. And um, this, this bag was effectively a way to redeem himself, not just in the eyes of his peers, but also in the eyes of those that he, uh, you know, for himself, that, you know, maybe he could have saved a few more lives that, you know, he might have, might have, you know, lives that he could have damaged in the past. 
Um, so there is that warmth, but also obviously there is a, a bite to it, a great bite that um, that always good for a night gallery episode. You know, I like these these ones that are. You know, there's there's the kind of like uh, the, that Twilight Zone kind of uh, jest that sometimes pops up in those kind of episodes here. You know, the, the, the soundtrack at times is quite jovial, for example. But also there is um, a darkness to it as well, um, along with, you know, obviously the administration errors and all that, but also the fact that, you know, a man would stab himself in the neck and kill his friend as well, all for money. So yeah, I mean it's a really classic episode. It sits really well in the centre of the of this of the you know of the show of this particular show, um, three stories. Um, as you know, as you were saying last week, it's uh, bookended by uh, a couple of a couple of shorts, um, which we'll get into next week. Um, the uh, the story that's coming up is going to be Nature of the Enemy which is notoriously bad so I won't keep you too long banging on about how terrible it is um, but I will do a bit um, as I was saying yeah, we're running, I've been running a bit behind uh, mainly just to give you an update about what's been happening um, my laptop died on me, uh, had to come back to the shop that took ages uh, then this mic started playing up so I got, um, got periods of silence and then obviously we've just gone straight into Christmas so um, Hopefully you'll forgive me if I if I get a couple of episodes out in quick succession, so they're done. Um, obviously it's a big time for uh, sailing fans because of the um, the fake six hour uh, marathon that's in uh, in the US. So if you're if you're watching some of that on Sci-Fi, uh, I hope you have some fun. Um, if you want to get in touch with the show, as always, uh, you can email me at nightgallery at the pod at the t- nightgallery at the twilightzonepodcast.com. Uh, or you can get me on Twitter, which is orange underscore monkey. Um, as always, thanks to Tom for helping me out, help me get this uh, podcast online and doing the hosting. Um, he's doing a Stalem show on um, on the Twilight Zone, going episode by episode. Um, it's a lot more, it's a lot more technically accomplished than what I achieve on this one, but it is, and it's uh, it's very very entertaining. So if you don't, if you only listen to me randomly, you should listen to us definitely. Uh, I think he's doing really well over there. So so cheers, Tom, and um, I will speak to you next time for Nature of the Enemy. Thank you.